Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to Talk Money. For today's program, here's the thought. You know, you go out to your mortgage lender and you're ready to close on your house and he tells you there's one more thing needed, a policy, the last thing needed to fully approve that home loan. And in a panic, you call your car insurance guy and you give him your soon new new dress and all of a sudden you've got coverage. Now that's great. You know, you got your house, you're ready to go, it's a new home, you're excited. And in about a week passes, you get a giant packet comes in the mail detailing a policy that you've already paid for and you don't have a clue what you bought. Sound familiar? Sure it does, especially if you are a first-time home buyer. But even the seasoned buyer doesn't always take the time to understand just what you're buying. Well, that's the case. It's done all the time. Today, Dane Williams is here to help us answer some questions that you've asked about homeowners insurance. You don't want to miss it. It's very, very, very informational. The second half of the program is about one of my favorite subjects, and obviously one of your favorite subjects, according to your questions. What happens if a person decides to take Medicare Part A and Part B? They take no prescriptions at the time? So guess what? They don't enroll in Part D. Is there a problem? That's in the second half. Shannon Dyson is here. He'll answer your questions and more about Medicare Part A, Part B, and do you need to take Part D? From our Did You Know files, there's a couple of interesting facts that I think you'll find that, uh, important and uh, interesting to you also. January the 12th, January of, of 2017, January, not January, January the 1st of 2017. Let me get it right. I'm messing up. January, December, I got it. December the 31st of 2017, the issue of USA Today. I don't know why I said January. A writer, <clears throat> excuse me, a writer by the name of Adam Shell wrote about 18 stocks to consider for 2018. All the 18 names were seen as rising by analysts at least 25%. Now, instead of, instead, here's what happened. 17 of the 18 stocks lost money in 2018, and an equal investment in all 18 stocks would have lost, ready for this, 26%. So it just shows you, Mr. Shell and others. Got to understand, predictions are just that, predictions, not always true. Here's a fault for you. Eight states have applied for and received government approval to add work requirements. Some of the people enrolled in Medicare, that's work requirements for some people that are enrolled in Medicaid. Of the eight states, Arizona, Arkansas, Indiana, Kentucky, Maine, Michigan, New Hampshire, and Wisconsin, only two states, Arkansas and Indiana, have implemented the work requirement, and that requirement literally says 80 hours, it's something like this, 80 hours a month, and of course that comes from the Kaiser Family Foundation, and I thought that's pretty good information, something we need to all be thinking about. Here's my last but definitely not least did-you-know fact for the day. This comes from ESPN, and I find it to be shocking and a big wow. Here it is. Football, 
the football bowl subdivision, formerly known as Division 1A. That's the big guys. They can have maximum of 85 scholarship players on their roster. Isaiah, this little guy named Zeke Marshall, he's a seventh grader in Southfield, Michigan, was offered a football scholarship to the University of Michigan Wolverines in January of 2019. Marshall is a five foot eight inch, 150 pound, 13 year old quarterback, and he'll graduate in 2024 with a scholarship, at this point at least to play for the Wolverines. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program or podcast of past programs, go to the iTunes and, of course, search for Shoemaker Financial. Like us on Facebook. We'd appreciate it. Coming up, Dane Williams and Shannon Dyson, Property and Casualty Needs and Understanding Medicare Part D. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107. Point nine. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer. Remember FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. I had a little frog in my throat. I said, and I couldn't get rid of, and I just tell you what, the monologue just uh, drugged through. But I hope you found it to be interesting. And, of course, what I've got here is something that I think is important for all of you to know. When we talk about buying that first home and all the things that you have to buy in that homeowner's insurance policy, it gets you know, sometimes a little difficult because if you're a first-time home buyer or even a seasoned home buyer, as I mentioned, it can be a daunting task to know what do I need, how much do I need, because we have a tendency if you're making a big purchase. I know I do this, and sometimes, <clears throat> again, there it goes again. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. Maybe I can get that fixed. I don't know if it's surgery or what. But I know what it is. It's called changing the weather. Uh, But the reality is you have to go through this process. You're spending more money than you probably have spent before because you're buying a home and you're looking for ways to save money. And you know what? Sometimes buying that homeowner's insurance is not the place that you need to step into being cheap. Maybe if you've got to buy a lawnmower, yeah, okay, I can understand that. Buy a cheaper lawnmower. You don't have to buy the big... 50, 60-inch riding, short singer, you know, zero-turn lawnmower. If you need, you know, just buy a lawnmower and cut the grass. But don't go cheap on your insurance policy for your home. In some cases, in most cases, it's the most expensive thing you've ever purchased, and it's your biggest investor. Investment. My guest today, Dane Williams, is here from our division of the Shoemaker Insurance Company. And insurance division is the he's our lead guy when it comes to property and casualty. He's going to talk about home and auto, but specifically we're going to talk about home. And when you look at adding that home coverage, Dane, I want to say welcome to the program first off, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me. You know, one of the things that I think that I appreciate from your chair, what you do today, you came from the financial planning division. And literally moved into this area because we saw the need and and the reality is that we saw a huge void because people were buying insurance and, and, and looking at their overall plan, but not letting the things come together. 
And it was saying, well, I bought the insurance. Have I got enough? And, you know, we were not spending the amount of time, even though we would look, we were not really diving into it the way you do today. Tell me basically from where you are and, and the experiences that you've had, have you seen that where we're what we're trying to do come to fruition? Is that really beginning to take place? Uh, yeah, it's great because uh, making this move was a, a really uh, seamless transition, but I think it really fits with who we are as financial planners. Um, I was able to uh, to share with our Nashville office at their State of the Market uh, event last week that uh, it, it's great to know what's going on in the market. It's great to have this awesome investment plan, uh, but everything can come completely unraveled if you haven't got the right protection in place as it relates to your, your home and auto insurance. If something is to happen, there could be a lawsuit involved that can completely derail uh, all of the investment planning that you've been doing, which is uh, you know obviously the more attractive side of our business. But insurance is incredibly important as it relates to financial planning. When you talk about that, you're really saying that the insurance side is that risk management. Risk is something you have to manage. And I know you you look at yourself as a kind of a risk management advisor where you're really trying to say, guys, uh, put the money into the investment portfolio, do the estate planning. But at the end of the day, the base of any financial pyramid is risk management. And you really have stepped into that in a great way to help the client and the advisor on the other side of the road, the hall, is to help them understand the need for risk management. Absolutely. It's it's all about playing good defense when it comes to uh, our side of the business anyways. And we want to make sure that our clients are protected in every way just because uh, that's something that most people are just uh, relatively uninformed about. Do they have enough coverage? Do they have the right type of coverage? And, and are they protected in the event that something happens? All right, let's do this, because there's been several questions. What are some, here's the first one that I want to ask you, what are some of the most common things that that people are not covering that, that it's a, you know, by a traditional homeowner's policy, the first-time home buyer, the seasoned home buyer, as I said earlier, they're making the decision, they're buying this, but they fail to cover some of those those things that you see today as being very common. Yeah, I think we've probably all heard stories whenever there's a major weather event and there's there's huge amounts of flooding. Um, flood insurance is not covered as a part of a standard homeowner's policy. Um, I remember when Houston had those floods a few years back, uh, you'd see all kinds of stats that X amount of percentage of people that, that have lost their homes, just they don't have flood insurance because uh, it's not a part of their normal homeowner's insurance, and, and maybe it wasn't required. Um, our mortgage companies try to do a good job of protecting us if we live in a particularly um, highly prone area to flood insurance, and they'll say, hey, you need to have flood insurance to protect. Uh, but if something fluke happens and there's a flood, I would say the vast majority of people do not have flood insurance on their home. And um, if they had a loss, it would be 100% up to them. The insurance company wouldn't pay a dime. Now, I know FEMA does something with that. And of course, you have that uh, national flood insurance program. Is that in addition to your homeowners? Is that or, or, or if I don't have flood insurance and I have lived in a you know, some people say, well, I'm not, I don't live close to any place that's going to flood or anything. And I understand that. But it's that 100 year flood that creates that major problem. And that's usually the disaster. Does that, does FEMA or, or the National Flood Insurance Program, is that enough? 
So there are certain limitations. Uh, basically, what it is, the uh, primary writer of flood insurance is through the National Flood Insurance Program, which is managed by FEMA. Um, so oftentimes, whenever you see someone that has flood insurance, they're going through that carrier. Uh, there are some supplemental carriers out there, but the vast majority is written through this program. Uh, there are limitations as to how much they're going to cover. And if you have um, a substantial house that could have more than $250,000 worth of losses, then this program may not be enough, and you may even need to look at a supplemental carrier to add on top of that to make sure that your home is able to be fully repaired or replaced. You know, I you, I know that that's never going to happen. You know, everybody says that's going to happen to the guy. I remember a very dear friend of mine, I'm not going to tell you where, what part of the city he lived in, but he was one of those. It's, you know, I'm not even close, no problem, no, never going to happen. And I can remember talking to him on the phone as he was telling me, he said, well, it's at my first step. Mm. And I said, well, what do you think? He said, well, I've already sandbagged the entrance. You know, he said, I I think I'll be okay. I talked to him about two hours later, and he said, that didn't even come close. Mm. And and, and here's a guy that that would have told you that most of his house would have never been a problem. Now, his entire house didn't flood. But by the time it got to where it did the damage, it was well into, you know, thousands of dollars of damage. And uh, we just don't think about that. No, it's it's a huge claim whenever it does happen because you're looking at having to replace pretty much all of the drywall along however high up the water gets, replacing all the flooring, any of the furniture that gets damaged. And then you've got the time out of the house where they're just waiting on the slab to dry before they can lay new flooring back down. Uh, we had uh, someone that was dealt with a claim not too long ago. They were out of their house three months just because they were waiting on the slab to dry mm-hmm. so that they could do it. And it was a particularly rainy season to where the humidity was never right. Um, so that's time in a hotel that an insurance company is paying for. Whenever you have a flood, it's a huge, huge claim. Well, all right. Now let's talk about the second one. We've done. I've seen some floods. But Memphis is, we just talk about this all the time. And I have never, well, I've experienced a couple of trembles living here for over 40 years, but I've never experienced an earthquake. But I know we talk about earthquake. Is earthquake insurance, Dane, really necessary? I mean, can I can I say, yeah, maybe you can not get earthquake insurance? Yeah, you know, it's something that people have uh, mixed buy-ins because like you, I've grown up here pretty much my entire life. And since grade school, when we took some sort of science class and we learned about earthquakes, we've been told that the big one's coming, right? Like it's it's going to happen at some point. We're right on the New Madrid fault line. And at some point, it's going to level the whole city is what they say. Uh, and I talk to people that are in their, their 70s and 80s and have said, you know what, they've been telling me that since I was in grade school, too. Um, so I, I believe that uh, it's something that there is mixed buy-in on um, from consumers, even from insurance people, that uh, if you have an earthquake, I hope we have earthquake insurance. Uh, but if we don't, um, you, know, you know, I'm not really sure. One of the things that I do tell our clients is that um, if you have earthquake insurance and, and you've got conviction about it, it's a big thing to make sure that you're shopping regularly. If you're just accepting the, the homeowner's insurance that has the earthquake rider or you've added earthquake coverage to a, a homeowner's policy, um, a lot of times you may not be getting the most competitive price. So that's something that you do want to shop regularly because earthquake insurance can be very expensive in the Memphis area. So what you're saying is they could come in and price it this year at one number and uh, they get your coverage and you don't think about it. And all of a sudden, five years now, two years, one year from now, they've raised that price and, and you're asleep and didn't do that. So if you've chosen to do that, shop it on a regular basis. Absolutely. Every few years, probably three or four years, you want to make sure that you've at least seen um, are your rates 
competitive. Uh, staying with an insurance broker is a great idea because they represent a lot of different carriers. But you want to make sure that you've seen what the market is saying you should be paying for your homeowner's insurance, your earthquake, your auto, all of your insurance coverages that you have in the property casualty space to make sure that you're paying a fair price. That's Dane Williams speaking. He is with our insurance division at Schumacher Financial and uh, Risk Management Advisor and is talking about flood insurance and earthquake insurance. Now, Dane... Let me let me say this. These are two exclusions. I mean, is that right, Dale? Sure. If you buy a homeowner's policy, they're not included. You have to ask for homeowner. I mean, you're on your homeowners. You have to ask for flood insurance. You have to ask for earthquake. Is that correct? Correct. They're not included typically in a standard home policy. Uh, you're going to have to add those on either as a separate policy or as an endorsement to your home policy. Are there other things that are excluded? I mean, that, those two, I very quickly I identify those two, but are there other things that are inclu- excluded? Yeah, there are a whole ton of things. One of the uh, coverages that we're starting to see more and more of our carriers start to open up about is uh, service line coverage. Uh, Underneath your property, there are a whole slew of of lines that are running, cable lines and telephone lines, sewer lines, water lines, any number of things. And if something happens to those lines and they become damaged, it's the homeowner's responsibility to repair that. Uh, And most of the times, your typical homeowner's policy isn't going to cover that. So if you have landscapers that are digging a hole to, to put a tree in and they go through a cable line, well, guess what? You've got to repair that. If you have a, a rodent that chews through a sewer line or a tree root that grows through, or, or say you're even getting a, a pool installed and they just drive heavy equipment across and it crushes something underneath, you're going to see damage there and it's going to be the homeowner's responsibility to repair that. Um, there are carriers that are starting to offer endorsements on top of that that will allow you to uh, to have the opportunity to add that coverage. But if you're not asking it or because so much of our business is driven by price, um, you can see some agents that will cut that just to try to be cheaper. But we want to make sure that our clients are taken care of well. So I appreciate that. You're looking at not just the risk management side. You're working with the advisor in the office. You're going through this process. You're, you're, you're the person looking at the foundation, the fundamental part of the pyramid, as the financial pyramid is to think about it. And you're helping that advisor with their client to move through this process of coverage that's needed to protect the assets that are growing. You've talked about earthquakes. You've you talked about floods and those power lines. I never thought about that. A tree, if a tree falls on something and breaks something like that, is that covered? Is that is That that would be a damage, right? Yeah, it should be because there's an act of God that okay. caused it. Uh, there is a sudden instance to where the object or the, the property was fine. And I like the way damage. you say that, the act of God does that. That's, somebody's giving credit to God. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Sometimes you don't want to say, oh, hey, Lord, did you have to do that? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, so there's a sudden instance that causes it. And because of that, it's going to be covered. Uh, the things that we see that aren't covered typically happen over time and they can get classified as homeowner neglect. Um, so if it's it's rotten wood that's happened over time because you weren't mindful of standing water. Okay. Um, so that's, that would be maintenance. Is you're talking correct. About. Makes sense. Okay, now I I think we talked about flood. We talked about earthquake. I, I know in Florida they deal with this, and I've actually know that we've dealt with a couple of things like this in Memphis, and that's sinkholes. We're just out of the clear blue sky, you know. I mean, I actually have one on a piece of property I have that came out of nowhere. I mean, just you know, I'm going. I've had the property for a long time. It's never been a problem, and all of a sudden, I could 
sink a truck in this hole right now. So is that a problem? Unfortunately, it's not where I am damaging something, but it could have been. Yeah. Do we cover that? Is that covered? So most of the time, it's something that needs to be added to a policy. You want to make sure that it's it's added on to your policy because a lot of our standard carriers do not include it. Um, we don't see it as much in the Mid-South area, but whenever we get to some of our clients that are in East Tennessee or something like that, right. we do start seeing more and more concern about it, and we want to make sure they have it on. If that's a concern of yours, um, then we do want to make sure it's added to your policy. But one of the things to note is that there has to be some sort of damage that occurs because of it. It can't just be now there's a hole in the yard because the insurance company says, well, how has this negatively impacted your property? If it's on the corner of your foundation and now your house is sitting lower, that's a clear damage that they need to fix at that point. Dane, let me ask you this. Coming from the planning side and working with clients in that area, and you did a great job there, and now you've moved into this and and see the calling to help with this risk management side. Have you noticed anything particularly that people seem to be, are they more aware of their coverage or are they taking it granted their coverage? You know what I'm saying? For sure. Yeah. I would say most people are unaware uh, of a lot of the features within their their homeowner's policy and what's missing. Uh, The other thing is people don't tend to... um, update their policy regularly. So as time goes on and uh, the price of goods of wood, nails, and labor continues to go up, they may not have adjusted their rebuild cost in their homeowner's policy for their home. So what they have it insured for, they may not actually be able to rebuild their home at. Um, and that's something that's that's very uh, very important to be mindful of. And another thing that as you're shopping your coverage every handful of years, that you're updating that amount that you're insured for because most people are just simply unaware. They may have bought their home 15, 20 years ago, and sure, they could have rebuilt their home at that price at that time, but now that we're this far down the line, there's no way they could rebuild a home of like kind and quality for what they haven't insured at. Well, that's critical information if you just tuned in. That's Dane Williams. He's talking about property and casualty insurance. We talked about not some things that are not covered. Of course, most of us know flood and earthquake. Some things like power lines that are on your property or, or sewer lines or things like that that may be damaged. And, of course, the sinkhole that you could have. Bottom line is it's just important that you dive in on occasions and spend some energy finding out more about what you have as far as property casualty and homeowners. When we come back, I'm going to ask you a question about car insurance because I think that's a big issue for a lot of people. Depreciation and what happens with that. If you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. Dane Williams is my guest. Coming up, Shannon Dyson. We're going to talk about Medicare Part D. You need to know about it. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking with Dane Williams, a subject that I think so many of us take for granted. I know I did, and I think about it, and, you know, it's not that you take it for granted. You're insuring those things that if it were a fire, and I've lived through a fire, my office, you know, the office many years ago burned in 2010. I've lived through that. I've lived through replacing a roof. I've lived through some automobile accidents. And, you know, it's kind of like out of mind, out of sight, out of mind, and then all of a sudden, bang! Somebody runs into you or you run into someone and you've got a claim whether it's car insurance or you find out that half your roof is missing because of the act of God that de- destroys it and you've got to deal with that. Dane's here to kind of help us go through 
what's not covered on your policy, the risk management side, but then knowing how to just dive into your policy and figure out what do you have and what do you need. He does that at the office with our advisors on the asset management side, the the investment guys, and he works with them on the estate planning and the overall plan to make sure that what they're building, they're taking enough energy to put into the risk side so that it balances out. Dan, you do a great job of that. I know everybody appreciates it. I've heard people say, you know, it was a smart thing to bring Dane in because he has the mindset of a planner, but he also now understands very detailed, effectively, effectively on the detail side of what's going on on the risk management side. So I want to say thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. All right, let me, let's go to this. Now, I talked about car insurance. I talked about the fact that it depreciates. But if if there's depreciation over on that side, is there depreciation on the insurance side in the, in the homeowners? Yeah, so not, uh, not across the board. Generally speaking, the dwelling as a whole is going to be covered at what's called replacement cost value. So whatever it takes for you to replace your home, that's what they do. They wouldn't depreciate it because it's an older home or you've lived in it for a while. Generally speaking, you do have full replacement cost of the dwelling. Oftentimes, though, what you'll see on standard policies is that the contents of the home will get depreciated, though. So because your TV is seven years old, I don't care that you bought it at $700. Uh, now it's it's a handful of years older, so we're only going to pay X amount of dollars for it. Um, it's important to make sure that you add replacement cost coverage on the contents as well, if that's something you're concerned about. Let me ask you this. The guy, you know, he's got the boat, maybe the four-wheeler and all that kind of stuff, you know, and all the, you know, the families, it's all those family recreation vehicles. He has a break into his garage or something and they steal a four-wheeler. Is it, if it's in his garage, is it covered or does he have to list that four-wheeler? You know what I'm saying? I'm looking for that. Uh-oh, I forgot to delist it, you know? Yeah, there are certain limitations in all policies for how much they'll allow for watercrafts or for uh, for recreational vehicles like that. So you want to make sure that you've examined your home policy and see what those limits are. And if you have items that exceed beyond that, then we want to make sure that we up your coverages there and that you're carrying enough coverages on those vehicles as well. You know, I think one of the most important things to deal with, and I think it's it's always the case, is the reality that people forget they we shop the insurance side and we're guilty of this and we even talked about it we try to price it you know mm-hmm. i'm fighting the price I, you know what do you mean i got to pay a thousand dollars a month or hundred dollars a month and so i begin to chip away cuz i'm not going to have a claim Mm-hmm. And then you have the claim and you go, oh, my goodness, I thought that was covered. Well, it would have been if you had done this. How do you deal with that, Dane? How do you I know you're, you you look people in the face and tell them the brutal facts, but I know that's a problem for some folks. Sure. Well, part of what we've done as a firm is is we have set minimums that, that we adhere to that. We believe, look, having state minimum auto coverage is just not enough. So, so we have minimums that we're going to make sure that all of our clients, anybody that does business with us, has a certain level of coverage anyway, because we don't want to have to deal with that conversation with one of our clients or one of our advisors who, who referred their client to us, that they have an accident and their entire financial plan is wrecked because they just didn't have enough coverage. So, so having minimums like that, but then also taking our clients and educating them about what's covered and what's not covered in the policy they have versus versus the policy we're recommending and hoping that they see the value in that as we walk through it with them. I know you approach this from a from an analyst planner's perspective, and it's just basically you're not saying replace it just because you do a business with us, but you're really saying look at what you have. Do you cover what's necessary? 
And that's, man, I think that's important for people to understand that. And I, I guess my thought is, when you talk about replacing some things in the older homes and, you know, the the artwork and all those things, are there things that, you know, those things that are difficult to, oh, I don't have a picture of that. How do you deal with that? That's Those are questions that some of our older clients go, well, I bought this 30 years ago. It's valuable. I can't find a receipt. Yeah. So there's a handful of different ways to handle that Uh, as it relates to some of the contents of the home, whether it's jewelry or whether it's artwork. uh, You want to make sure that you've got that specifically listed on the policy and and your insurance agent may ask to see an appraisal on that item because there are limitations in every home policy that say we're only going to allow X amount for jewelry or for firearms or for uh, artwork. Uh, So those are things that you want to make sure that you've got that appraised and you've got that specifically listed on the policy. And then as it relates to the home that may have unique features and maybe a, a 1920s home or an older home that you may have, uh, you want to figure out what the settlement option is. Do you care that they put the uh, the home back together in the exact way that it was built with plaster walls and, and some of the unique finishes that may not be used in today's uh, construction? Or would you prefer uh, that it go back with just some sort of functional replacement that's going to be okay that they put drywall up or something that's more common and maybe less expensive than some of the older features that they may have? Boy, you said that so effectively. I appreciate that. And I know this is what things that you do, and I, and I appreciate this. You're not interested all the time to say, replace this. Sometimes I know you sit down with the agent, the PNC agent, and said, here's what we're trying to do with the client. Here's what you see. Because you're looking at a lot of consultants that you bring in to, to provide that that necessary coverage to do what's best for the client. And not always is it best to change the policy. Sometimes it's just best go in and add this or go in and add that. And I appreciate it very much, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had been listening. Dane Williams, if you'd like to talk to Dane, give him a call at 757-5757. Just, you know, say, Dane, I don't know about my homeowner's insurance or my car insurance. What should I do? Just give him a call. That telephone number is 757-5757. Well, it's talking about prescription part D. (laughs) It's a subject that everybody knows about. And then we try to figure it out. And you can make a mistake. My guest coming up, Shannon Dyson. He's the Medicare expert, and he knows a lot about it. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Although not everyone fell victim to the yellow fever epidemic that ravaged Memphis in 1878, the city itself did not survive. The picture at that time could hardly be described as anything but grim, as tax revenues fell sharply and the city's ability to pay off its debt grew uncontrollably. Despite stiff opposition from the mayor, a measure to disincorporate the city passed the state senate and house the following year. Memphis then ceased to exist as a chartered city and was made a taxing district under the authority of a council of nine members, only four of whom were popularly elected. Under the new administration, taxes were raised, the old debt was paid off, and the council began to fund badly needed improvements to the district. Yet, as the new life was beginning to return to the local economy, a shadow was cast over these improvements in the form of widespread corruption, embezzlement, and nepotism. Though such losses to the district's coffers were easily covered by strict fines on gambling, the ongoing problems in the district arrangement made it clear that such a system of local government could not last forever. 
In the following years, mayoral government was restored and Memphis became a prosperous city once again. This has been another Mid-South History Moment. Brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and are redeemed to be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I am Jim Shoemaker, and my guest this time of the program is Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Insurance Division. You know, we look at it from an overall holistic type of planning program at the office, and one of the things that we try to do is to provide risk management people that really look at and figure out ways to protect what you're building on the investment side. And Shannon Dyson, a frequent guest of ours, does a great job talking about Medicare, and he's here to cover some questions that you've asked us about what is it that we need to understand about Medicare. Now get your pad and your paper and start writing this down. If you're listening to it by way of uh, if you're driving, don't do it while you're driving, or you'll be calling Dane later for car insurance. That's not a good thing. Shannon, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me back again, Jim. No, let me let me start with this. I know Medicare is a topic that should not be, I think, complicated. But it, it just because of what it is and what it does, it is a very complicated subject. Absolutely. The, the, uh, the people that come to see us uh, at the office, almost to a person, are, are confused by the whole process. Uh, when they are eligible for A and B, do they get both A and B at the same time? Do they have to get prescription coverage? Um, I'm getting a lot of mailers. I've got a shoebox full of things that I'm bringing in. And so you're bombarded with so much information that I think it becomes very overwhelming. For anybody, I mean, for, I mean, for, I guarantee if you're not does. into it, it just you know, becomes overwhelming. I've had them bring in the shoebox, and I just simply say, "Wait a second, let me call Shannon." It is very overwhelming. So let's start with some of these questions that you've asked us, and I want people to know that all you got to do is you've got questions for the program, just send them to Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial dot com. That's Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial dot com. We'll get the programs on. So many of you, and I appreciate this so much, are faithful listeners. You send us notes or cards and we appreciate that, or send us an email, we appreciate that. Just let us know. If there's a subject that we're not covering and you would like for us to talk about it on the program, Talk Money at shoemakerfinancial.com. First question, does Medicare cover dental costs? It does not. So there is no dental coverage associated with Medicare. Uh, There are Medicare Advantage plans in the marketplace today. Uh, that has nothing to do with Medicare A or B. This is just a Medicare Advantage plan that does have some sort of dental uh, with it. It's typically only about $100 worth of dental uh, benefit for the entire year. Uh, so it's not a lot. Um, so typically, if you if you are Medicare age, you become eligible for Medicare, you get Medicare, you'll need a separate dental policy. So now that means, you know, if a person has had dental coverage prior they now go on Medicare, Part A, Part B, whatever, and they're, they're no longer covered by a private plan. If they're going to look at dental coverage, they've got to go out and find a separate personal private pay type plan. Correct. And, and many of the carriers that you have on the private side through groups uh, offer individual dental plans, and so you can go get those on an individual basis. Okay, that's that's important to know. Question number two, how much will premiums increase over time? My premiums, if you start with, I guess, Medicare Part B. Part B, right. Start with that. How, do, how have you seen that in how do I plan for that? Because we talk about it over at the office a lot, that reality is planning for medical insurance in their retirement age 
is something we didn't do that 20 sure. years ago. Today, it has to be an integral part of every plan. Every increase. So each year it's determined what the Medicare Part B premium will be. Again, Medicare Part A, there's no cost for that. But when you're picking up Part B of Medicare, uh, there is a cost to, to that. And that is determined at the end of each year for what the next premium will be for the following year. Uh, for 2019, it's $135.50, so $135.50 per month for Part B of Medicare. Um, You go back 10, 15 years, uh, it seemed like the Medicare Part B premium stayed at 104 for probably 8 to 10 years. It stayed that way. Um, And then steadily over the last five years, we've seen increases each year in that Part B premium. Is that tied to inflation, or is that just whatever we want to see the government do? The premium that you pay uh, as a a Medicare recipient is tied to the cost of living adjustment associated with Social Security. Uh, So if you got in the Medicare system and your premium was $104, uh, and the next year it went up to $110, if you got no cost of living adjustment on your Social Security, then your premium stayed at $104. Uh, so your your Social Security payment will never be decreased by the increase in the Part B premium. So they're taking it out of one bucket and putting it. I got it. That sounded familiar. Well, one of the things that was mentioned this year in particular was I believe there was a 2% cost of living adjustment uh, in 2018. Yeah, or it was 2019. 2019. And so many people had not seen an increase in their Medicare Part B premium. Well, this year, they're going to get that increase. Oh, it sounds familiar. <laughs> yes. You know, I get it. I get it. Take it out of this bucket. You know, put it. All right. Let me let's go to this Part D, because Part D is a uh, a real question for a lot of people. They, they, it's, it's a struggle. We seem to get a, more more questions about Part D than anything else. So talk about that. Part D is is probably the most confusing piece of the Medicare puzzle, and it's because uh, it, first of all, it's it's the newest piece of right. Medicare. Uh, prescriptions used to be covered under Medicare supplements. Uh, there were a couple of them that would cover prescriptions. Now everything is done through Part D of Medicare. Uh, there are over 50 insurance carriers that offer a Part D prescription program. So this is not a government program. It is regulated by the government, okay. but it is individual private insurance carriers that are offering. And companies you've heard of that are probably a, a, on many of your group plans, Express Scripts. You know, there's several different companies okay. out there that offer plans, um, but there's more than 50 of them. But the catch is... Uh, everybody takes as a different prescription that they take, right? Nobody's taking each. If I'm taking three prescriptions, your three prescriptions are going to be different than my three. Um, and how those are covered under with each carrier can can change, I mean, drastically. So it's not something where I get the question, well, which prescription company do you recommend? Well, the answer to that is basically dependent upon the prescriptions that you're taking because one company A may cover your prescriptions far different than company B. So let me say you've got a husband and wife. They're now 70, 72, 74 years. No, well, let's go back. They're retiring. Mm-hmm. So they got automatically when they turned 65, they got Medicare Part A. They worked a couple of more years, as we see a lot of people doing today, and now it's 68, 69. They're going to retire they kept their private coverage for that couple of years. Right. So now they're retiring. They get Part B. Mm-hmm. They're taking no prescriptions. They're, they're perfectly healthy. They exercise all the time. What do you say to that person, that couple, couple now, that uh, they get Part B, they got a supplemental plan, 
They're not going to buy Part D at the time. Question comes up all the all time. All the time. That's all the right. time. I'm not taking prescriptions, or I take I'm healthy. I take one small prescription I get at Costco for five dollars, right? And so I don't need the. Right. I don't need to pay a monthly premium. Uh, and you know they probably don't need to. I mean they they don't want to have insurance that they're not going to use. But uh, there was a provision put in place with prescription Part D that says that once you become eligible for Part D, meaning you kept your group insurance, but now you're retiring. You've gotten Part B of Medicare. Now you're eligible for Part D. All right. Keep that thought. Yep. I'm eligible for Part eligible, D. Eligible, right. All right. Now, what you've got, we've gone through this because the reality is I want to find out what happens if I'm eligible and I don't do anything. If you just tuned in, my guest, Shannon Dyson, we're talking about Medicare and questions that you've asked and the question that seems to be, as Shannon has said, one of the most difficult questions or one of the questions we get all the time that's difficult to understand is what about Medicare Part D? When we come back, that's his question. That's going to be his answer. Stay with us. You're listening to Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax legal advisor regarding your own specific tax legal situation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. I'm talking with Shannon Dyson. We're going through some questions that you sent us about basically understanding the whole idea of Medicare and all the supplements and how do you make good decisions and what decisions can you make that you can change and you can't change. And I know it's confusing. And I tell you, it, it's 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 just that part of that the government programs that you just try to figure out and you want to make the right decisions. But invariably, you think, whoops, I made this one wrong. How do you dig out of something or what should you be careful with? Well, Shannon's the expert on it. He, of course, is here a lot for us and as a frequent guest, does a great job. And one of the questions has been Medicare D. That's the that's the drug portion. And so I got you started and I had to take the break. And so now Medicare Part D for my prescriptions, and I set it up a married couple, 66, 67, 68 years old, had a private coverage. All of a sudden now they're going to step in. They've they've already been enrolled in Medicare. They're going to get their Medicare Part B supplement. They take no medication. They're healthy. They're looking forward to retirement. They're going to do some traveling. They're going to visit the grandkids. They're going to do all those things, and they're doing great. They decide not to take Part D. So the newly eligible person comes in. Uh, they say, I don't take any prescription. I don't think I need prescription coverage. And um, the, there's a provision put in prescription Part D that said that once you're first eligible for, for Part D prescription, if you do not take it, uh, there's a 1% per month penalty. For every month that you do not take coverage, um, that becomes expensive when you talk about there's one time per year that you can enroll into Medicare. That's at the end of the year. So if you do not enroll into that Part D prescription program, you've got 12 months of penalty. So that's 12 percent. So I can't come in. Let's say, I, you know, it's a, it's December. OK, and I enroll. And I'm all running around here doing great, and boom, I find out that I need to take a blood pressure medicine or something, whatever. I mean, we can go off on a tangent here. And it comes in, and it's going to be expensive, and I, it's, it's March. I can't enroll 
I can't go get Part D now, right? Right. I can't go get a private carrier to carry. Right. So you, there are different, there are different uh, enrollment periods for different situations. In the scenario that we're talking about, we had a couple that stayed working through age 65. Uh, they retired at age 68. There's an eight-month window that they can sign up for their Part D prescription from pro, the, time, from they the time that they retired. Okay. If they do not do that within that eight-month window, uh, that is their first eligibility period. Uh, if they do not sign up for Part D, then they will begin incurring that 1% penalty uh, for prescription Part D coverage. Now, that's 1% per month and then until the following year. Correct. So let's say they go three years um, and they didn't. They still don't take prescriptions, but in the third year, they realize, oh, my doctor's put me on Lipitor yeah. um, and I've got to take a, a or a blood pressure medication right. or whatever it is. And so they say, I think I'll sign up this year. And so we go to sign up for prescription Part D coverage. Uh, we see that the normal premium is $30 a month. Uh, well, now we have to add on 36% to that $30 per month, and that is the new premium that that person would actually have to pay for the entirety of their life. Shannon, would you ever want someone to do that? I mean, how do you tell someone that's probably not a smart thing to do to avoid buying Part D? We, we talk about the odds of taking a prescription later on in life. As you get older, the odds of you having to be put on a prescription is going to increase. And so what we try to do is we say, okay, look, we understand you don't need a prescription coverage. Let's just put you in the least expensive plan that is available. This year, I believe it was a plan that was $11.60 per month. I will put you on that plan just so that you will not incur a penalty once you do go on the prescription Part D plan. You had mentioned to me earlier about people having need to shop around on their medications yeah. that they're taking. Not If you're going to one particular prescriber, uh, you know, person of pharmacy, you could maybe shop to other pharmacies and find that different places maybe give you a drug differently. When we have um, clients come in and they give us their prescription list because we walk them through this entire process. So we'll look at each prescription that they take and tell them to the dollar what they will pay when they go to a pharmacy to pick it up. Well, in that process, we notice that the, the dollar amount that they pay at Walgreens may be far different than the dollar amount they pay at Kroger or Costco or any of the pharmacy providers. Um, different drug manufacturers, different pharmacies have different discounts worked out with these drug manufacturers, and the prices are that can, be, can be vastly different for some prescriptions. So it's important to take a look and see, I've always gone to, to this pharmacy. Well, maybe we should look at another pharmacy with your prescriptions that you are taking because we might be able to get you a better deal. That is that is just managing the plan and thinking through that process. It's something that most people, and myself included, before I got into this, you just never think about, well, is it really going to cost that much difference if I pick it up from one pharmacy from another? Uh, but when you actually get in and look at the cost of these medications, it can make a big difference. You know, I think that is so important for us to learn because I think that's just being proactive and just saying, what am I doing? And should I be thinking about that? And yeah. I appreciate you bringing that to everybody's attention. Well, again, Shannon Dyson has done a great job. Thank you, Shannon, for being here. Thank you very much. Enjoyed we'll it. We'll definitely have you back on. And for it's always a good subject. We've tried our best to answer questions. And, of course, I appreciate what you're doing. You're listening to, of course, The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guest, Dane Williams and Shannon Dyson, we've discussed your property and casualty insurance needs and Medicare questions that you have asked us. We appreciate that. If you'd like to talk with them personally, call them at 757-5757. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. As always, thanks for listening. If you have questions, I'm trying to tell you, send them to talk. You may talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. 
To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you've been listening to Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer. Member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.